Greetings and welcome to Community Conversations on LCC Connect. I'm your host, Bo Garcia, Dean of the Community Education and Workforce Development Division at Lansing Community College. Community Conversations is a space where we explore business, workforce, and community development and discuss how these issues impact our quality of life and standard of living. Today, we will be interviewing a very special guest, my friend and the 52nd Mayor of Lansing, Andy Shore. Welcome, Mayor Shore, and thank you for being with us today. Thanks, Bo. Well, before we get started, just a little bit about the mayor. Now, under Mayor Shore's leadership, Lansing has seen billions in new investments all across the city, either completed or in progress. His administration has increased access to recreational activities for residents and visitors alike with the opening of Beacon Park and the town center on the south side, the new Capital City Market and Rotary Park downtown. Throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, his administration brought partners together by creating a community response cabinet, issued small business rescue grants, helped residents with food, mortgage, and rental assistance, focused efforts on the homeless, and worked with public health leaders on preventing virus spread. Mayor Shore currently serves on the Accelerator for America Board, the Capital Area United Way Board, the Lansing Promise Board, is a member of the Mayors Against Illegal Guns, and is a founding member of the National Gun Safety Coalition. Mayor Shore has also been appointed by Governor Gretchen Whitmer to serve on the state's Manufactured Housing Commission. The list goes on and on. But before we begin, you know, Mayor Shore, can you share with our listeners a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and kind of why and how you came to be mayor of the city of Lansing? <laughs> well, sure. Well, thank you, uh, Bo, for having me on. Uh, we have known each other quite some time, and, and I know you do wonderful work here at LCC, so I, I appreciate you and all you do for, for our students here. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I, I love being mayor. I'm in my, my fifth year. Uh, it is certainly challenging, but, but we get a lot of things done. Um, I grew up in New York. Uh, I grew up on Long Island and was there for 17 years and then came to Michigan for college. Um, I'm, a, I'm a Wolverine, so don't hold it against me. Um, <laughs> no but uh, came here for college and then right out of college, uh, moved to Lansing. Uh, I, I really, I like the city. Um, I was working for a guy named Gary Peters at the time, right. who is now our U.S. Senator, but he was okay. in the state Senate. Um, and just got to know the city and just loved it. Hmm. Um, really enjoyed Lansing. Uh, ran for office as a county commissioner where I served for 10 years. Uh, ran for office as a state representative. Uh, and then as, as I was serving in my, my last two years as representative, I had a lot of folks approach me about running for mayor. Right. Um, so I, I decided I would do that. I put my name out there and let the citizens decide. And, and I won. Yep. And then last year I won again. So here I am as the, as the mayor of the, of the capital city, the great city of Lansing. And, and again, it's an honor and I'm, I'm proud to be here. Doing a fantastic job. Absolutely. Um, so kind of along those lines, Mr. Mayor, could you tell us a little about the city of Lansing's goals in relation to economic development? You've had some big wins. We've had some big wins and it's been great. You know, I, I continually talk about growing the city. I mean, I want to grow all parts of the city from community services to uh, making sure people are housed, but economic development is a huge part of the growth. Um, it's making sure that we have access to to all kinds of things, whether it's downtown or in Old Town or Rio Town on our corridors. Um, economic development is a huge piece of growing our city. Um, it provides uh, activities and things to do for for uh, for the for the young and old alike. Mm-hmm. Um, it provides um, a boost to our neighborhoods. It provides vibrancy. It makes people want to come here. Um, so we've done a lot of work on economic development. You know, we've done. 
you mentioned it in your opening, we've done stuff all over the city. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, you know, we, one of the, my prouder projects that, that I was able to be part of is the, the Capital City Market downtown. Oh, um, yeah. We had a, I'd say a food desert. Um, we had right. a, a real open area where there was, you couldn't get groceries. And now we've got this incredible uh, yes. urban uh, Meyer store, which is great. And there's a ho- new hotel, the first one in about 30 years. Right. Um, and some housing that's there. Um, we've done development on the south side, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, we've done development on, in north on the north side. We've got some uh, mixed-use uh, uh, apartments that are going to be opening in Northtown, mm-hmm. uh, right on the border of Old Town. Uh, we opened Red Cedar and finalized Red Cedar and opened that. Right. So it, it's just we're doing work all over the all over the city, um, and the more options people have to shop and to walk and and to go to. Um, the more options they have for housing, um, whether it's it's uh, affordable, whether it's market rate, um, these are all things that grow the city, and it's all economic development. So true, and you know, it's so balanced. Mm-hmm. It's comprehensive. It's across the board. It's across the city, and it's you know, it's it's very very strategic. Yeah. And kind of along those lines, departmentally, how is the city structured to kind of capitalize upon? you know, economic development opportunities and, and how's your, how's your team make this happen? We've got a few different pieces. Um, we have what's called the Lansing Economic Development Corporation and, uh, and they do a lot of our work. We, we were partnering with LEAP, the Lansing Economic Area Partnership, which is uh, three counties. We're partnering with them. Um, we have since uh, split off and we're, we're doing it on our own and working with LEAP at the same time. So we work regionally with, uh, with Bob Trezice and our friends over at, at LEAP. But then we also have our own Economic Development Corporation. Um, not only do we get people who reach out to us who want to do work in our city, but, but we reach out to, to folks who we think will invest in the city. We go out to other communities. Um, we do a lot of work to try and, and bring in investments. At the same time, we have a separate development office in our city that deals with housing. Mm-hmm. So you see a lot of the, the housing projects, the community development block grants, um, you see a lot of that go through our development office. They do planning and zoning. So that mm-hmm. way we know that there are certain things that are expected in certain areas. You're not going to have a, a big factory in the middle of a neighborhood. Right. You have to have the appropriate <laughs> planning. Right. So we've got a planning and zoning office. We have a development office. And then we have our economic development corporation all working hand in hand yeah. um, as we as we grow the city. Highly collaborative. I've been a part of a number of those meetings in the, over the course of years. And highly productive, highly efficient, very strategic, very well designed. You kind of along those lines, you know, how, how does the city partner with perhaps federal or state government and private sector? And, and what type of tools uh, does the city have at its disposal to kind of make some of these these things happen. We partner with uh, with all three, with all you know, with all of those. We partner with the federal government. Uh, we work very closely with HUD, the Housing and Urban Development. Um, they provide economic development dollars. They provide um, dollars for uh, uh, affordable housing for uh, for low income housing. Um, we partner with MISHTA, mm-hmm. the State Housing and Development Authority, very closely. We work with the Michigan Economic Development Corporation. Mm-hmm. Um, and you mentioned you know incentives. Uh, we work with when you when you build in a city. Um, you can a developer can build in a in in a, a township a, a greenfield area and mm-hmm. just build right upwards. Mm-hmm. Um, if they want to build in a city, a lot of times there are extra costs to mm-hmm. rehab a building or to uh, clean up uh, environmental contamination. Mm-hmm. So we have what's called a brownfield tool, and the brownfield tool allows us if someone comes in and says, you know, it would cost me a hundred dollars in in this this green space, mm-hmm. but. $200 to do it in the city, but I want to do it in the city because mm-hmm. that's where the people are. It's where the density is. Right. Um, we can say, okay, 
you're going to build, you're going to spend your $100, and then we're going to get new taxes from that because it's it's occupied land. And mm-hmm. we'll take from those new taxes, we'll reimburse that extra $100 you have to spend because mm-hmm. of cleanup. Um, so they'll still invest, but we'll also be able to help out um, to equalize for developers to make sure they can develop in our city. So we do that a lot. Um, right. We have an obsolete property tool called the Obsolete Property and Rehabilitation oh. Act, and that right. will um, freeze taxes where it's at for buildings that are there. Oh. And then um, we can put those dollars back into the building and help out um, folks who want to redevelop. Um, we have some housing incentives. We have um, Beautiful. we have all kinds of different tools that we can use. Um, we have some grants. We have some loans. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a lot of loans, micro micro enterprise mm-hmm. loans, small business loans Great. to help out small business owners. So we use as much of that as we can um, as we try and help. Now, it's not giving away tax dollars. No, no, um, no. It is uh, it's it's making ends meet in the proposal. It's it's mm-hmm. closing a finance gap. If someone can come to us and say, you know, I need uh, I need to spend X dollars to do this project, but I only have this much. Mm-hmm. We help to close that finance gap. And then again, mm-hmm. if it's a loan, we get it back. And mm-hmm. um, but we don't give away tax dollars. We we do right. what we need to do to make projects happen. Otherwise, there will be no tax dollars at all. Thank you for explaining it that way. <laughs> that is that is so important for our listeners to understand. These are not costs. These are investments. Mm-hmm. And it's a collaborative effort between you know public and private sector, so it's a win-win for the entire community. We be, we see development, increased taxes, increased support for resources for the community. You know, it, it, that's textbook. That's great. Thank yeah. you, thank you again yeah, for, we, for taking. I the mean, time. we would certainly love for people to come in and just build, and we don't have to help. But they won't because they sure. can't make it work. I was right. in Austin, Texas, and you know they were they had developers coming and they were just building up on these empty lots, and, mm-hmm. and we'd certainly do that too. Sure. But we are a, a built environment, so you have to to help out to make costs work in a built environment. Absolutely, and this is it's, it's working. It's it obviously is, working. It is working. Yeah. So, kind of to that end, can you give us a perhaps an example of how the city of Lansing capitalized upon an uh, economic development opportunity recently? Yeah, we've done uh, quite a few. Um, we had a, an announcement, I don't know, a few weeks ago um, with a company called Neogen. They do food testing. Yes. Um, and they've got their international headquarters is right here in Lansing. And they wanted to build a, you know, a, a $70 million um, building mm-hmm. and, and put something like a few hundred jobs in there. So mm-hmm. we were able to utilize the Brownfield tool where we gave, uh, I don't know, seven or $8 million in future taxes that's going to be generated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the, the Michigan Economic Development Corporation did the same. Mm-hmm. So they're still going to spend, you know, 50, whatever million. And then we put in some in for future taxes. Mm-hmm. And so does the MEDC. Um, and now we're going to get a few hundred, you know, very good jobs and, mm-hmm. and, uh, a, a new building. Um, you saw it with uh, with GM. Mm-hmm. You know, we're bringing in right. one of the only battery plants in the world, right, right here into Lansing. Right. Two point seven billion with a B dollars in investment. Unbelievable. Seventeen hundred jobs. Um, so we had to give them uh, a, a property tax uh, incentive, mm-hmm. which was not a lot. Sure. Um, the state gave them uh, some incentive dollars and then helped mm-hmm. out us with infrastructure because you have to be able to power that. Sure, sure. Um, and now here they're coming, and, and uh, yeah. we're working with them, and we're you know you're gonna have 1,700 more people oh, yeah. in the region who are gonna be here and, and be active and and um, get great jobs. And some yeah. will live in Lansing, some won't, but it's just gonna be a great thing for the region. Oh, absolutely. Um, so we're excited, and the plant's gonna be in Lansing. It's in Delta. Town. Township, right. but it's in Lansing right. territory in Delta right. Township. 
And uh, so we're really excited. So again, we utilized city and state tools for that. And we partnered with Delta Township in mm-hmm. a regional way for uh, a tax sharing agreement. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really was uh, an example of, of just a great community coming together. Oh, my goodness. You know, that, that's a great example. And the engine having been an MSU spinoff, keeping yeah. them here and and. Uh, and as you said, you know, Ultium, you know, you've got 1,700 new manufacturing jobs. Think of all the spinoff jobs that are going to occur from that, small businesses that will be started because of that. Yeah. But for these new manufacturing jobs, small businesses that will be sustained from that, I mean, what a, you talk about an investment. That's textbook. Yeah. Well, and we also, we do think there's going to be lots of spinoff. You're 100% right. Um, I know LCC will be very involved, which is helpful. Um, we also know that um, that because of this, it's going to make sure that our, our two assembly plants are very likely to, you know, to, to be active. Um, right. When you're building batteries somewhere, you don't want to transport, you don't want to transport them too far. Right. So we expect that they'll be transported to cars that are being built Lansing Grand River downtown or Lansing Delta Township right next door to the battery plant. So we're really excited for the future oh. of those plants as well as spinoffs, as well as, you know, the, the building of the Ultium battery plant. Yeah. All of it's going to be incredible. Incredible. And, and you just just filling the supply chain. That's right. Yeah. So, so along those lines, um, why are these partnerships important to our listeners in, in relation to how it affects their employment, wages, education, poverty levels, mm-hmm. crime rate, et cetera? Absolutely. Well, it's, it, it's all of this economic development means, A, it means jobs. Yeah. Um, so we have just an incredible number of jobs that are available. Um, it means good paying jobs. Um, and that you know keeps people out of poverty. When you when you have the skills and you have a, a Lansing Community College, you have um, the the folks that can train uh, and then come out of LCC and and uh, and go right into the job force. You know, for me, right, my kids are in the Lansing Public Schools. They can graduate. They can go to LCC for free with the Lansing Promise. They can get trained up. They can come right out and have these skills where they're ready to go. And and we have that here that, that really others don't have. So it's a win. It's a win with education. It's a win to get bring people out of out of poverty and to help mm-hmm. them. Um, it's a win with with um, profit and it's a win with, you know, everybody wants to make money, right? That's that's, uh, that's how we, we live our lives. And it's uh, an option to be able to, to do that. So the investments that we bring in, when we say two to $3 billion of investments, mm-hmm. that leads to jobs, it leads to money, money back into the community, it leads to tax dollars so we can provide police and fire yes. and code compliance and Absolutely. parks and, and all of that. So it's all a kind of a cycle where the more economic development you have, the more opportunity, the more dollars um, for people and for government, um, that's how you you really uh, grow a, a community. And that's, uh, mm-hmm. that's what we're relying on. Boy, I tell you, that is a great return. You talk about return on investment. There it is. Day, in our daily lives, things that we notice and, and don't even notice along the way, yeah. but for these types of investments and collaborations, might not be here. So, you know, Mayor Shore, are there any economic or societal trends that you see emerging that perhaps our community members should take into consideration as they're planning their education or changing careers or upskilling or anything <laughs> along those lines? Here we see a lot. You know, we, we certainly have a, um, we have state government, which is our biggest employer. So the opportunities um, in public service and, and in any of the areas, whether it's agriculture, whether it's, you know, IT, it doesn't really matter. We have opportunities in state government. We're seeing IT jobs becoming very popular. Um, we have a company called Dewpoint here that that mm-hmm. uh, is incredible, and they do a lot of work. Um, and we have, you know, Liquid Web. We have uh, mm-hmm. ACDNet. We've got a whole variety of these these uh, 
technology companies, mm-hmm. which have been fantastic. Um, healthcare, yep. um, we know we we just saw you know multi uh, multi multi million dollar right. uh, seven hundred million dollar new hospital that was built and yep. then uh, in McLaren yep. over on the east side and southeast side, and now Sparrow is going to be putting several hundred million dollars into their property downtown. Yep. Um, so we're seeing whether it's doctors, whether it's uh, researchers, whether it's it's uh, um, uh, facility workers. Um, we know that there's a lot of healthcare jobs available um, right here. Um, we have a, a capital area, Michigan Works, mm-hmm. that helps people to retrain and that helps to match them with jobs. Um, the unemployment rate is, is going down right. because so many jobs are available. We're seeing staff shortages in right. every industry, so people can kind of uh, pick their pick what they want to do um, and make some money doing it. Right. So um, there's lots of different opportunities right now, almost anywhere. If you want to come work for the city of Lansing, <laughs> we have many jobs available. We have engineering jobs. There we have, is. you know, you name it. Um, everybody right now is is hiring. So this is a good time to figure out what do you love? Yeah. What do you want to do? And then go out and find that job. That's great insight. Thank you. Well, last question there. Is, uh, is there anything else you'd like to share in relation to your economic and community development plan for the for the city of Lansing in the future. Well, you know we we have a lot going on. Um, we we want to um, we're out recruiting businesses to come here. We're restructuring buildings. You know we we have been challenged in parts of our downtown because uh, state employees went home for the pandemic and they're only half mm-hmm. about halfway back. So our downtown has been a little bit challenged, but we're doing some conversions. Um, we're creating a lot of housing downtown. Mm-hmm. We want to double the housing downtown because the Wonderful. more people you have living downtown, the more people that are walking and walkability and, and shopping at the shops. Um, you see a lot more nighttime and weekend traffic. Um, so we're, we're doing some work there. We're doing a lot of work on the corridors. Yeah. You're going to see a lot of work on the on the Saginaw uh, corridor, a lot of work on the MLK corridor. Um, Michigan Avenue is going to see millions of dollars in improvements. And uh, so there's just there's going to be work going on everywhere. Like you said before, it's it really is focused everywhere, you know, from the, the west side to Michigan Avenue to Kalamazoo, where Allen Place just opened up new, you know, new yeah. apartments and services. The south side, whether it's it's MLK or Pennsylvania, Cedar, um, it's going on everywhere. It's going on the north side with mm-hmm. uh, over uh, the old Masonic Temple and in Old Town um, going north. So there's just... There's tons going on. There's 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 so much that you can't even kind of put together a list and talk about it in a show. Right. Um, but we're going to keep pushing for all of that. Um, and then, of course, our, we're we're working on a new performing arts center. Right. And uh, that is probably one of my my most exciting things right now. Yeah. Um, getting a new uh, concert hall right downtown where people don't have to go to Grand Rapids and and uh, beautiful and Detroit right now. They can stay right here, and it'll be a great boon for our our downtown and for Rio Town. Um, so we're working on a lot of things, a lot of pieces at play and we're real busy, but, um, it's good stuff. Wow. Wow. We could talk for another <laughs> hour could. about this. What a great conversation. I just, you know, thank you, Mayor, for, for taking time out of your, your very busy schedule to share your thoughts with our listeners today. And thank you all for the pleasure and privilege of your time. This has been your host, Bo Garcia, and I look forward to sharing time with you again soon. Have a tremendous day. This is LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Engaged learning and academic success is a priority at Lansing Community College. To help students navigate their educational career, LCC has created a proactive approach to learning and providing students with several academic support services. To find out what's available, visit lcc.edu services. 
when you need to check the weather forecast, make restaurant reservations, or avoid rush hour traffic, chances are you turn to your smartphone for real-time information and up-to-the-minute help. Imagine a smart city that would keep the buses running on time. Manage the use of energy to prevent brownouts and schedule on-time repair of an aging infrastructure. It's all part of putting the power of information to work for you in giant leaps compared to your smartphone's baby steps. Planners are making cities smart today and even smarter tomorrow, delivering the services you need and creating the communities you want. To learn more about smart cities and work with the folks who are putting the power of information to work for you, go to planning.org. That's planning.org. A message from this station and the American Planning Association. Lansing Community College welcomes transfer students. Transfer students may apply prior credits toward their LCC degree, certificate, or transfer program. Learn more at lcc.edu slash youbelong. LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Welcome to The Safety Plan, the show where I cover the latest cyber scam and how to avoid it on LCC Connect. Voices, vibes, vision. I'm Paul Schwartz, and I'm happy that you are here. Let's do this. Uh, this morning, my daughter was singing Ordinary People by John Lennon, and I, now that song is stuck in my head. I guarantee you've heard of it. We're just ordinary people. We don't know which way to go. Because we're ordinary people, maybe we should take it slow. Take it slow. Oh, 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 oh. This time we'll take it slow. But my kid was singing with cybersecurity words. Something like this. We're just ordinary people going fast and getting scammed. Because we're ordinary people, maybe we should take it slow. Take it slow. Oh, 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 oh. This time we'll take it slow. Obviously, the college has allowed me budgetless artistic freedom on this show, and I will take advantage of that position. So welcome to the Safety Plan Show. Here's the format. I will describe a real-world cyber scam like phishing or, you know, IRS imposter scam or scareware, one of the many other cyber scams. I will then explain why it could happen to you and finally how to protect yourself so it doesn't happen to you. So why should you listen to the Safety Plan episode? First, as a leader, I want to share my cybersecurity knowledge with you so that hopefully you can become inspired by it. Second, a community knowledgeable on cyber scams will not fall for them in the future. And finally, if people start practicing good cyber practices in their lives and at home, then they practice those same skills at work, which makes your business or company or local community college more secure. Win, win, win. So I'm Paul Schwartz. I work at LCC as the Director of Information Security, and I coordinate security issues for the college. Things like reviewing emails for legitimacy and implementing projects to improve the college's security and proactive phishing our employees and training them on cybersecurity. I've worked in cybersecurity for 27 years, including 20 years in the Air Force, before ending up at LCC. I have a corner office at work, so people think I know stuff, which proves I am smart. S-M-R-T smart. Now, Today's topic is going to be on gas pump skimming, a form of credit debit card compromise. Back in October of 2021, Michigan Department of Agriculture and Rural Development found credit card skimmers at eight different gas stations in the state of Michigan. Two were in the Lansing area, one on the west side and one on the east side. 
Now, gas pump skimmers are small electronic devices, otherwise known as card readers, that can be illegally attached to payment terminals at gas pumps. And they could be inside stores or also at restaurants and so forth. Gas card pumps are targeted because they are unattended. Experienced criminals can install a gas pump skimmer in under one minute. They first began to appear around 2015 and have grown exponentially since. Skimmers come in all shapes and sizes and varying degrees of complexity. These card readers grab data off a card or a debit card's magnetic strip without your knowledge, which gives fraudsters full name on the card, the credit card number, and the expiration date. Criminals sell this stolen data or use it to buy things online and create cloned bank cards. You won't know your information has been stolen until you get your statement or an overdraft notice. Once they retrieve your credit card info, these skimmers wait months, sometimes years, before they use the info to purchase items. Now, let me talk about what gas stations are doing to prevent credit card skimming. So first of all, they have gas pump door stickers. Now, these are the little stickers, these little seals they put over the doors. And when you open the door, it breaks the seal. And even some stations now have a warning signal that goes off inside the store when the door to the gas pump is open. Now, their gas stations are also putting up cameras monitoring the gas pumps. They're even doing inspections on the gas pumps, opening them up and looking inside of them. The cashiers at these gas stations, although sometimes minimum wage jobs, are watching and looking for these scammers and watching the gas pumps. And these gas stations are also trying to use better locks on these gas pump doors. And maybe even two locks that need two people to open the gas pumps. However, it's impossible, even with all these things that gas stations are doing, it's impossible to avoid gas pump skimming. And here's why. Let me tell you what the criminals are doing. So criminals are putting skimmers directly over the gas pump or ATM readers. They could also be putting uh, what they call a card shimming device, which are paper-thin strips hidden inside the card slot. So now instead of putting it on the device, they're actually going inside the device. And these shimming devices can be used to clone the magnetic strip on your card, but only if the bank issuing the chip card hasn't implemented the EMV standard. So they're targeting chip-based credit and debit cards. A shimmer is named as such because it acts like a shim sitting between the reading device and the chip on the card that you insert. Or criminals could be used in a combination, say a combination of a card reader and say a camera attached to the device or somewhere near the gas pump to record your ATM pin and passcode. Criminals may also be installing fake keypads uh, on top of the keypad or in replacement of the keypad or a credit reader extension. Skimmers may also be inside the machine. So these may have uh, the universal key or the key to the gas pump door, which if you will look on eBay, you could do a search for universal key for gas pumps. And so they use that to open up the door of the gas pump and put their skimmer inside the pump. As I mentioned before, the gas stations place this tamper-resistant seal on the door, which usually look like a piece of red tape. Criminals might use their own tape, their own tamper-proof tape, to replace the tape once they open those gas pump doors to make it look like it hasn't been tampered with. And after the scam has begun, these will typically return to the scene from time to time in order to retrieve their skimmer you know, information. However, there are also ways for thieves to use Bluetooth or cellular technology to retrieve this credit card information from the, the skimming device without even having to be there. Okay, so what should you be doing to prevent 
this gas pump skimming. Only stop at busy, well-lit, and well-maintained gas stations. Since these would rather stay out of sight of the employee inside the store, they will usually install a skimmer farther away from the store in the windows to stay out of sight of the cashier. That means the gas pump closest to the store is more likely to be safer to use. Make sure the gas pump panel is closed, locked, and doesn't show signs of tampering. Many stations now put security seals over the cabinet panels, and if that pump panel is open, the label will read void after they try to reapply it. Look at the card reader itself. Does it look different than any other readers at the station? Look for hidden cameras above it, little tiny pinhole cameras or false shades above the screen of the pump. Try to wiggle the card reader before you put in your card. If it moves, report to the attendant. Then use a different pump. If the keypad looks thicker than normal, wiggle that too and check it to see if it comes loose. If you use a debit card at the pump, run it as a credit card instead of entering a PIN. That way the PIN is safe and the money isn't deducted immediately from your account. Or you could have a second credit card for the gas purchases, you know, beyond your ATM card. You could pay cash and ask for the receipt or just pay inside rather than at the pump. How about this? Use mobile payment options like Google Pay or Apple Pay if they're an option. Some newer pumps may also have encrypted credit card readers. Look for an illuminate green lock symbol near the credit card reader to signify this. Now, you should also monitor your credit card and bank accounts regularly to spot unauthorized charges from, say, a skimming scam event. There are also skimmer detectors for smartphones. One's, one I looked up was called the Skimmer Scanner. Now, this app will scan the immediate area for Bluetooth devices that some thieves use to skim your card information. And this is not foolproof because perhaps they'll pick up wireless headphones or other Bluetooth or low-energy devices, or maybe this, this skimming device doesn't have Bluetooth technology. Maybe it uses cellular or maybe it has direct access. Here's another important thing. Be sure to cover the keypad with your hand to block any potential cameras from seeing your pin code. Although I've read uh, some research about experiment where they had artificial intelligence program look at the camera a video and it could predict your pin based on the movement of your arm and hand. You're going to have to move your hand pretty wildly as you cover it while you're typing in your, your pin. So after you've become a victim of gas pump skimming, if your credit card has been compromised, report it to your bank or card issuer. Federal law limits your liability if your credit, ATM, or debit card is lost or stolen, but your liability may depend on how quickly you report the loss or theft. Second, if you get a notice of a purchase you didn't make, you can contact your credit card company and stop any other transactions quickly. Work with the fraud department to resolve this issue. Next, notify law enforcement and file a police report if you've been a victim. Next, file a complaint with the MDARD. That's the Michigan Department of Agricultural and Rural Development Weight and Measures. They're the ones that do the inspections and follow up on these scams. Limit your use of a debit card because the money comes out of your account immediately is much harder to get back. And next, you may want to consider putting a freeze on your credit report to ensure no new accounts are opened in your name. And finally, continue to monitor all of your accounts and check your credit report to watch for unusual activity. That's a wrap of today's Safety Plan episode. If you have questions or have been a victim of a cyber scam, tell me about it by emailing lccinfosec at lccedu. You can find more information at lcc.edu connect. 
This episode of The Safety Plan was recorded by Paul Schwartz in the TLC Tower in downtown Lansing Community College and produced by Lane Ingram and engineered by Big D today. I'm Paul Schwartz, and this is LCC Connect. Voices, vibes, vision. So long. Connecting you in Lansing Community College, this is LCC Connect. LCC Connect. Voices, vibes, vision. K-12 Operations at Lansing Community College is a proud collaborator of the Lansing Promise Scholarship available to graduating high school seniors. Find information at lcc.edu slash hope. I'm a third grade teacher. I'm a school bus driver. I am a parent. I am a teacher's aide. And I agree to be identified as a caring adult who pledges to help bullied students. I will listen carefully to all students who seek my help. And act on their behalf. To put an immediate stop to bullying. I will work with other caring adults to create a safe learning environment for all the students in my school. In my school. In my school. In my school. I'm Stephen Cook, president of the Michigan Education Association. Help us create safe, bully-free learning environments for all students in Michigan. One caring adult can make all the difference. Take the pledge to be that adult at nea.org slash bullyfree. Adults have the power to stop bullying in our schools. It starts with me. It starts with me. It starts with me. Bully-free. It starts with me. A message from the Michigan Education Association. LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Hello, and thank you for tuning into Inside LCC Today. I'm Betsy Berger, Dean of the Health and Human Services Division at Lansing Community College. Today I'm excited to share one of the 12 programs in our division. Under the direction of licensed and registered faculty, we train emergency, healthcare, fitness, and human services professionals. Enjoy today's episode. Hi, I'm Mary Pasito, and I'm the Community Health Services Education Program Director in the Health and Human Services Division here at LCC. And I'm Mary Lewis, the Medical Assistant Coordinator in the Health and Human Services Division here at LCC. We're here today to tell you about one of the many exciting careers in the medical field. This one is a great option for the person who wants to be in healthcare and start working within a year. I'm talking about our medical assistant program. The medical assistant is a healthcare professional who works in outpatient ambulatory care facilities such as urgent care or a physician's office, as well as a surgical center. It's a profession in high demand. This registered professional performs administrative and clinical duties and may assist the physician, nurse practitioner, or physician's assistant in medical procedures or tasks such as suturing, drawing medications, and taking vitals. The LCC certificate program starts each fall and runs fall, spring, and summer in a cohort. There is an application process and students must complete a criminal background check and attend a mandatory program orientation. Once students successfully complete the program, they are eligible to take the medical assistant exam through the American Medical Technologists to become registered medical assistants. A detailed cost sheet along with the advising guide with program details and information on tuition fees, supplies, and textbooks can be found at our website, lcc.edu hhs. Graduates who wish to advance their education 
can go on to finish as an associate degree in applied science, but it is not necessary to be employed in this profession. Medical assistants are in high demand and can make between thirty and thirty-five thousand annually, which comes out to eleven to nineteen dollars per hour. At LCC, we value innovative ways to increase access to education and career opportunities for our students while meeting employer needs for high-demand positions for qualified medical assistants. We've created a 24-week fast-track medical assistant program. This is a unique program as MA Theory is taught 100% online, clinical lab instruction is taught via online real-time instruction, and the development of clinical skills is completed at an affiliated health center. For more information about the medical assistant careers, contact LCC Medical Assistant at lcc.edu. I want to thank you for joining us today and hope you enjoyed today's episode. The field of health and human services provides a wide range of careers that are exciting, fulfilling, and offer many opportunities for professional growth. For more information about our associate degrees and certificates offered in the division, please visit our website at lcc.edu slash HHS or call the division office at 517-483-1410 to schedule a tour or connect with the program director. You can find today's episode of Inside LCC along with other great LCC programs at lccconnect.org. Featuring the faculty, staff, students, and others that help to make Lansing's premier college what it is today. LCC Connect, Mid-Michigan's connection to Lansing Community College. To find out more about our featured programs or to listen on demand, visit us at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. The LCC Library empowers the Lansing community to learn, teach, and discover. Located on the second and third floors of the Technology and Learning Center at the corner of Capitol and Shiawassee on LCC's downtown campus, the LCC Library's ambient spaces are available to the public for work, study, or quiet personal projects. In addition, those with memberships at collaborating libraries are free to check out materials from the LCC Library's collections. For more information, visit lcc.edu library. Hey everybody, this is Josh Groban. After so many years on the stage, one of my favorite things about music is its ability to inspire and nourish the soul. That's why I'm proud to work with Feeding America, an organization that inspires hope for families in need and helps nourish the 16 million kids in this country struggling with hunger. Every year, billions of pounds of excess food go to waste, while one in five children may be left not knowing where their next meal is coming from or if it's even coming at all. Thankfully, the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks collects surplus food and helps deliver it to kids in need across the country. But they can't do it alone. Join me in supporting Feeding America and your local food bank at feedingamerica.org. Together, we can solve hunger. Together, we're Feeding America. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Hey, y'all, and welcome to the very first episode of It's Britney B Podcast, a show where you and I go on a journey and break down subjects that most of us want to talk about, listen to, or even want to be a part of. 
I'm your host, Brittany. And if y'all are ready, let's sit back, relax, and let's chat. On today's episode, we are going to talk about limerence and the characteristics of this love addiction. Now, first things first, what is limerence? Well, according to dictionary.org, limerence is the state of being obsessively infatuated with someone, which is usually accompanied by delusions of or a desire for an intense romantic relationship with that person. I know it's probably safe to say that most of us have been there before. You meet this person. You really, really are vibing them. Your heart beats fast. Anything and everything reminds you of them. They do not have a single flaw in our eyes. They are literally everything you wanted them to be. And the sparks come out of nowhere. Now, some of y'all are probably already wondering, but Britt, isn't that what falling in love is? And I know you guys, I know. But unfortunately, not really. The movies, television, even our friends' social media have tricked us. Or I guess we really tricked ourselves. Because those feelings I just described fit into the characteristics of this love addiction we call limerence. Limerence is a love addiction, you guys. And I know I have been in limerence at least three times in my life. And I know I can say when I'm attracted to a man at a love addicted level, I have pictured our whole lives together. Stupid scenarios that would never happen. I get sprung over this dude and I don't even know who, what his middle name is. Why? Because this guy decided to give me a little dose of attention that I so desperately craved at the time. They give me the feeling of approval because obviously they approved something about me, whether it was my looks or some type of accomplishment that seems appealing. And then also, again, they give me the attention. And I love attention. But why does this happen? Why do some people fall for this addiction of love? Well, we can start with the classic textbook example of abandonment and neglect issues during childhood by a parent and or caretaker. This neglect already predisposes us to the feeling of wanting to be wanted, wanting to be loved. Love addicts, more often than not, have a hard childhood that causes them to lead them in situations that they are in now. You know the saying, we often favor people who resemble our parents. In this case, it's not in our favor, though. As children, we know nothing about love other than the love that our parents or caretakers have shown us. We learn about what we think the adult world is through the love and care of our parents. And if your parents or caretakers are emotionally unavailable to you as a kid, I mean, naturally, you look for that in your romantic life as you get older. Why? Because that's what we're used to. Now, couples counselor and psychotherapist Kate McKenzie has stated that almost all love addicts have had a distant relationship with their non-nurturing mother. Anyone who thinks they might be a love addict have a non-nurturing mother? I know I have, but I do not want to discredit my mother. For everything she has done for me and my brother, she's a great mom. But for me as an adult now, I know that my mother and I had became extremely close. And we've handled a lot of wounds that we've both caused each other. Nowadays, I can call that woman and talk to her all the time about everything. My mom, she's my everything, my best friend, she's my mom. And she was never a bad mom. She was just a single mom, just trying to give her kids the best life she could provide. But because of that, she was hardly home. 
She would work nights. So if we did see her, she was in the dreadful, ugh, I have to work another 12-hour shift mood. And that alone was a sign to stay away from her. So my mom and I, I guess you could say we weren't really close when I was a teenager. Plus, I was not the best teen. And being a single mom and working a 12-hour shift, you're not really trying to deal with your bad teen when you come home. Again, she wasn't a bad mom. Just nurturing wasn't her strong suit at the time, given her circumstance. But man, did I try to get her approval with all the important things to me in life. Music, sports, talking about girl stuff. My mom's love and affection was super important to me. And when she gave me attention, when she wasn't tired, or when she told me I did a good job, or even coming to my choir concerts and hearing me sing a solo, it was like Christmas time to me. The sad thing, though, is that this craving I yearned so much from my mom seeped into my adult love life. Remember what I said earlier about the love our parents give us is the love that we project into our adult life? Okay, here's how this has happened to me in my own love addiction. So as an adult, my infatuation on men that I have encountered in my life, not out of love per se, though it really did seem like it at the time, but anyway... The obsession of the idea on how I envision obtaining this love I craved so much was a problem for me. And I would end up falling into this limerence or love addiction with men that only had to give me two seconds of attention. And I would engorge my heart with this tiny bit of attraction and confusing that tiny bit for undivided love. I'd obsess over it because that's how I was with my own mom. I'd do whatever I had to do to get their love completely, but it always failed. And that was usually because suddenly my potential love interest was not available, whether it was emotionally or due to something else. So why does love addiction happen? Can it happen to anyone? Is it truly a real addiction? Can people get help for this? Well, ladies and gents and non-binaries, in a moment, we are going to answer these questions. But first, let's go over some but not all characteristics of a person who is currently in a limerent, a.k.a. love-addicted trance. Let's start with the first characteristic. People in limerence want the forbidden fruit. What do I mean by that? I mean, the people want a person that they can't have. The whole thrill of the chase, you might say. You want what you can't have. Like people who are married or swooning over someone who's already expressed that they're not interested in you which usually was the category I fell into. Or even obsessing over a celebrity. You never want to meet your idol because if you do meet your idol, you always end up being disappointed. Prime example right here, you fall in love with the idea of like Tom Hardy, but then you meet him and he's nothing like you imagine. In fact, he's actually a piece of crap. I'm just kidding. Tom Hardy, if you're ever listening to this, because you're perfect to me. Okay, I'm still working on him in that aspect. But we're not talking about that today. Anyway, as a love addict, we tend to crave the love from people who do not reciprocate it back to us. Paya Melody, the author of Facing Love Addiction, stated that love addicts are naturally drawn to love avoidance. So they are drawn to a partner who cannot and more likely will not meet their needs. Because, remember... Their childhood trauma and abandonment. The addicts feel unworthy. All they know is to cater, cater, cater to get their limerent love's approval. 
just like we did with our parents and caretakers as kids. You do something good, your parents acknowledge it. They give you praise and reward. You do something good for your significant other, they acknowledge it. They give you a small micro dose of attention and affection. And for some reason, that small attention and affection is just enough for us. Because a little bit of love and attention is so much better than being single. Which leads me to my next characteristic. People in limerence, or people who have a love addiction, I'll intermingle between the two, but they mean the same thing. They don't like to be single. One of the worst positions for a love addict is to be single. Lord, you can't do that. Love addicts want to be with someone so bad that they are willing to settle often for abusive partners. I know I did. Twice times, you guys. One, two. I would stay with the worst person for me. But it's all good because I was with someone. They will change someday. Hopefully. Maybe. I I don't know. All I know is that being with this toxic human will provide me with at least the bare minimum of affection, which to me at that time was way better than being alone with no one. But when you are the love addict, it's not that easy and it's definitely not favorable. No matter what, the love addict is desperate to have the object no matter whether it's good for them or not. Because as long as they are not single, they are totally okay with the toxic chaos that may soon follow. I mean, we all like a bit of spice in our life, right? I want passionate love. And you can't have that kind of love if the relationship is stable. Because then, what are you really fighting for? Which brings me to the third characteristic. Trying to understand why people in limerence get bored with relationship stability. Yes, they get bored with stability. Remember that episode in Euphoria? I think it was like season two, and it was Maddie and her crappy friend Cassie. Maddie was talking about how she wasn't sure if she could handle being with someone who could love her and treat her right and take care of her and do everything you're supposed to do when you're actually in love. She said, not verbatim, that she was addicted to the chaos that her and Nate had. This is the type of situation that I'm talking about. A love addict person does not want stability. They want chaos. I mean, it's not like they're not capable of having a normal relationship, but that would require self-work on their end. And when you are an active addict, you're not trying to hear about working on yourself when you're too busy trying to find love. They're addicted to the idea of love, the excitement, the passion, all the things you get in the honeymoon stage of the relationship, aka when you're first talking or dating. Or you can even get it from a toxic partner. Not an easygoing, self-aware, mature, positive partner. That would be completely boring to a love addict. Why? Because that would require a legitimate connection. They keep a certain distance, the love addict does. I always made my relationships about the partner, never about myself. I couldn't bear to face myself as a person, let alone have another human being who's already rocky as it looks, see the real me, and then, you know, potentially leave. Give me your chaos, and I will handle it. Just don't leave me, okay? I can't bear to be alone or bear the idea that you are with someone else because you, in my mind, are too perfect for me. And that leads us to characteristic number four, you guys which is people in limerence or people who are in a love addiction will idolize their objects of affection to a fault, 
which really means they will fantasize their romantic interest into a bad degree. The love interest becomes perfect in any possible way. Flaws? <laughs> Non-existent. But that becomes a problem. How? Well, we as the love addict do not give ourselves the chance to see the love interest for who they really are. We refuse to allow it. You ignore all the flaws and all the red flags. This person's shown you attention and a microdose of love, so you automatically default this person as perfect. They're giving you everything you ever wanted since you were a kid. But that's not genuine. How can you truly love someone if you don't give yourself love at all? I know it's a bit cliche, but I mean, come on, you guys, it is true. Real love for yourself gives you the gift to see flaws and red flags in others. This then gives you the chance to actually decide if you're willing to work and love that person or if you think you deserve better. Real love gives safety and reciprocity. And isn't that what we all strive for, love addict or not? Of course it is. But really, real love usually does not have repercussions like limerence does. Love addiction is real and has its repercussions even outside the actual relationship with the love interest. Being a love addict pushes family and friends away. It did for me, for sure. My last relationship caused me to push my best friend of foreverdom away for about two years. And that was painful. That was actually probably worse than an actual heartbreak itself. But again, I was not willing to be alone. I stayed in that toxic relationship and lost one of the most valuable friendships because I couldn't handle being alone. And I would be damned if I were to be alone and then see someone else put their hands on my limerent object. I even put them before my kids. I put this love interest before my kids. Dealing with all this love person's crap, dealing with all the love interest's drama, all their chaos and not caring, that I am messing up my relationships and my connections with my family and friends. Only coming to my family and friends for like a hot second for support when I need them because my love interest dogged me out real bad. And I'm going to leave them this time. Only to put my family and friends on the back burner again because the toxic love interest that I'm addicted to gave me attention and wants me back. I'm wanted again by a person who abandoned me and neglected me. I'm getting that fix back. And like I said, again, love addiction it is like an actual addiction. Love addicts cannot help that they struggle with this addiction. Remember childhood trauma stuff? And like real addiction, you go through the addiction fixings, withdrawals, being without the person. You get the anxiety, the depressions, the racing thoughts, maybe even palpitations. You also need the fix. This person's bad for me and they may bring me to my ultimate downfall. But if that person comes back, I'm going to get that taste. Then you relapse. You're back in that bottomless pit of hell again. But you got that little bit of love back, so you're fine. But it doesn't stop there. You suffer at work and school too. How can you focus on work and school if this person is all you think about? What are they doing? What's their favorite color? How can I run into them without them knowing and being obvious about it? Again, you can't focus when you're trying to make destiny happen on your own. So you have to potentially lose your job and fail. It is what it is. You have to do it. It's love. You're addicted to it. But... We now know, deep down, that's not the way to go. And you can get help for this. Now, people with a love addiction who, you know, are in limerence, just want to find great love like the rest of us. The problem for them is 
it's very much a one-sided obsession. People experiencing love addiction generally subscribe to a belief that their love can overcome anything. They believe in the poetry of love to a degree that would allow the person to also believe that they can have their desired results with the other person. The person also experiences some joy in the process itself. They get a sense of pleasure in the contemplation of what it could be. But that's not what love is. And no, I am no expert in any of this. But I'd like to say I am a recovering love addict. And I think, I'd like to think I'm more in the loving myself stage at this point in my life. And I can only truly go off my own experiences. But love, genuine love, involves two people who are both mutually agreeable to be in a romantic relationship with one another. They both still hold on to their individual selves. There's no risk of codependency or losing oneself. At some point, there has to be some complete detachment of what we thought love was when we were kids. And know that the love we may not have received as a child is not the same as an adult. Because as an adult, this kind of love is now in our control. We can decide what we feel and what we deserve. We can decide that we can still be ourselves and the right people will gravitate and stay. That we don't have to appease to have the approval of others or the love or affection that we tried to get from our parents. I don't want the same love I craved for my mom in a romantic relationship. It's just weird. <laughs> I honestly don't know what I want in a relationship because I'm not there yet. Remember, I'm in the self-loving part, so I'm still trying to figure out how to love me. But I do know when that time does come someday in the far, far, far future, I know it's going to be different than what it used to be in the past. Now, if you are someone who is currently or could possibly be in some type of love-addicted trance, there are resources that can help you. The Addiction Center is a great place you can go online and check out and see a bunch of different resources for love addictions, and they even have contact information for therapists that you can speak to online. Now remember, you guys, the ingredients to recovery is hard work, dedication, and a loving support system. So today, no pressure. Give a call or a text to your family or your friends that you have abandoned for this person you were so in love with and let them know that you want them back in your lives. That's the first step. Recognize it. Get your support. Build your army so you can fight this battle. Love is out there, you guys, and you don't have to be addicted to the idea in order to achieve it. Today, we went over limerence, the love addiction, and why it is called love addiction. I hope this episode makes a difference to someone, whether it's opened someone's eyes or was just a good listen to on the way to work or class. But again, real love does exist, you guys. But it all starts with love for yourself first. If you are a love addict or even a recovering love addict, just know you can have a good support system and there are resources for this kind of addiction and you aren't alone and most of us have been in this position. You can't overcome this. Well, you guys, thank you for sitting with me on my very first episode. It has been a pleasure talking with you on its Britney B. Cup podcast, the show where you and I go on a journey and break down topics most of us want to talk about, listen to, or even be a part of. I'm your host, Brittany, 
I want to say thank you for Dedalion for producing my first episode today. And a thought for the day. The more you light your lighter, the lighter your lighter gets until it is too light to light. Don't forget to stay tuned for new episodes and to stay up to date with the latest episodes, go to lccconnect.org. Get it? Got it? Done. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. This is WLNZ Lansing. You're listening to LCC Connect, a weekly program that features the voices, vibes, and vision of Lansing Community College. To find out more about LCC Connect programs or to listen on demand, visit us at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision.